Welcome to this week's Refresh podcast. I'm Lee Campbell. I'm Juliette Steen. And I'm Emily Blatchford. We've got some very exciting news. Emily Blatchford is back from maternity leave. You guys won't know who she is, but she's one of our wonderful lifestyle writers, and it's great to have her back. Um, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm pumped to be back. How do you feel about your first <laughs> podcast record? I'm I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> feels strange, but it's quite exciting. Um, as usual, I learned so much this week, and we're going to talk through our favorite stories. Juliet, of course, coffee stories always go through mm-hmm. the roof. Six signs you might be addicted to coffee. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Okay, so I think, you know, everyone loves coffee. It's a nice way to start the day, Um, but it does become a bit of a problem when we rely on it too much. Yeah. And this is what the the crux of the story was. So it was six signs that kind of indicate that you might be addicted to that that coffee. Yeah, to the Um, caffeine. Exactly. And I guess it's important to note as well, coffee isn't necessarily bad. It's just when we're drinking too much of it. Exactly. And does this story apply to also caffeine? So your Coca-Cola and stuff like that? Or is this basically... It it was coffee, but I mean, much of it is um, in relation to caffeine. So So what are the signs here? Okay. So first one, um, you get headaches if you miss one. Oh, yeah. So I think we're all familiar with coffee headaches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're not fun. And the reason this happens is because caffeine actually changes... Um, the cerebral blood flow. So it changes the way that your blood kind of comes into your brain. Oh. So when you don't have it, it flows more freely. Right. Hence the headaches. I never actually wondered why. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, you want another coffee to get rid exactly. of the headache, right? Exactly. So, yeah, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Oh. Another one was you're super, super grumpy before. Oh, yeah. Before your, your morning coffee. Yep. I can um, relate to half of the office. You can tell when half I of know. the office has had a coffee and when they haven't. How do you know if it's just not morning time grumpiness? I know. That's the thing. So, I guess the, the thing there would be you need to kind of wait it out and see see what happens and see if, if your you body improve. actually breaks. <laughs> yeah, see if your body does its own thing. But maybe the only difference between morning people and non-morning people is, is coffee. coffee. Yeah. Okay, hit us with the other signs. Um, number three, you can't concentrate without caffeine. Oh, yeah. That's I don't think I have one. that problem. Yeah, so the reason behind that one was that... <laughs> <laughs> I do. I know what you mean, though. I do feel like when you get, uh, like... Up in the morning, and you have because I don't drink coffee. I just mm. have tea. But even did you ever drink coffee? Yeah, but then I got pregnant, and I went right off it. Right, of mm. course. So never... you're a good before and after kind of mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah, I'm a case study. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I just went off the taste, and I was pregnant, and I haven't gone back to it. But yeah. I do love. Tea. Did you experience any of these any of these symptoms or kind of? Side I was effects? so sick. You really? probably didn't. Know I what yeah. was morning sickness <laughs> and what was coffee withdrawal. Oh, that sounds fun. Anyway, different different talk for a different time. But yeah, but my point is I do feel like less groggy, I mm. guess, after I've had that tea and I have that yeah. feeling of like, right, yeah, I'm ready for the day. Yeah, totally. So the reason that it kind of helps improve concentration is it boosts adrenaline and that's like that helps us keep us alert. So without it, it's like, Oh, where's right. that where's that boost? Okay. So it's um you gotta get used to that again. Okay, oh god, yeah, yep, you can see this is adding up. What are, the other, what are the other two? Um, so we've got you You need more and more coffee for the same effect. Yeah. Which is just our body getting used to it. Yeah. That's with any addiction really, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. true. And feeling more more nervous and anxious as well. So then I get that again, it relates to the adrenaline. So um, if you're feeling particularly stressed for no reason or you're getting jittery, mm. that might be a reason to Yeah, um, that's a physical sign down. that you've had too much. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Reel it back. <laughs> Have a herbal tea and Have down. a green tea. <laughs> Is that it? Are they the signs? Last one. Um, you can't bear the thought 
of giving it up. Yeah. If you can't imagine a world without coffee. But the thing is, it's such a lovely routine, you know, particularly mm. in winter it's, now. It's cold. It's the ritual. You want, yeah, it's ritual as well as addiction, I mm-hmm. think. It's such such a nice ritual. Yeah, it's funny you know. how that like habit and addiction can sometimes like yes. yeah, it's so true. Like, like driving to work, I see people smoking on the side of the road. I'm like, that gross. looks disgusting. Yeah. How can you want to do that habit? But someone holding a delicious warm cup of coffee, I'm like, mm, yeah, I want delicious. That. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So everything in moderation. We learn every week. <laughs> the next story I wrote, and it's about why stress can actually be a good thing. Now, this author was this pitch- fascinating. It's fascinating. This author was pitched to me, and I was like, eh, don't think so, dude. Stress is bad. We all know how bad stress is. So mm-hmm. I interviewed him. His name's Luke Mathers and he's written a book called Stref- Stress Teflon. And it's his point is that stress happens to everyone. It's a part of modern life, but it's how you process that stress as to how it affects you. So yes, it can cause, you know, heart disease or contribute to heart disease, diabetes, all sorts of things, but you need to learn to process that stress if you're going to live in the modern world. So mm-hmm. take away something horrific like the death of someone in the family. Obviously that kind of stress can never be That's processed different. in yeah. a good yeah. way. But talk about, you know, to-do list that you've got at work that you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed it's that kind of stress is like right it's happening anyway Mm -hmm. so the way you process it and deal with it you'll become stress teflon which i quite like that term um i'm a stress head Mm. i love to stress about everything that i have to do and then just hypotheticals because why not stress about everything so he's all about um combining the old brain and the new brain which i learned about also in this story the old brain is our kind of caveman fight or flight reactionary process which Mm -hmm. spikes your cortisol and and it's good for emergencies but we're kind of always running on it if we're stressed right there's no bears um yeah there's actually no physical bears anymore when Mm -hmm. you this is not that bad in the city yeah (laughs) so it's learning to use your new brain to kind of counteract your older new brain to work together so it was really interesting i think for people that are stressed or naturally stress heads like me it would take a lot to apply this to your life because We're already stuck in our ways. Totally. We're stuck in our ways Mm -hmm. and it's kind of almost like a subconscious reaction. So then you've got to consciously go, right, I'm stressed about this. I love that though. I think think that's almost half the battle is is stepping back and just saying, like, how am I going to approach this? Mm. Yes. Wait. Do I really need to be this anxious or stressed about this? It's actually doable. Let's come up with a plan, sit down and break it down. So... It alarmed me when he was like, stress can be a good thing. But I see his point and I do agree that sadly stress is part of everyday life. So Use it to your advantage. Yeah, if you can tackle it positively, that's kind of the only way forward. Now, Juliet, (laughs) I swear all your stories are just for me. Um, No, this one was for me. (laughs) Reasons your late night snacking and how to avoid it. So you interviewed Mm. a really great expert for this one. What did you learn? So I spoke to Chloe McLeod, um, a mm. Sydney dietitian, and we just spoke about the reasons why we tend to um, overeat at night or after we've come home from work yeah. and ways we can kind of prevent it or deal with those, deal with why we do that. Is it emotional? Like, is it- oh, There are so many. There's, it could be stress. Yeah. It could be emotional. It could be that we simply haven't eaten enough throughout the day or we've, yep. you know, skipped breakfast or maybe a snack in the so afternoon. So it could be actual hunger as it well. It could be, as exactly. a comfort. Yeah. Nom nom. Yes. So one of the, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so one of the, you know, the main points was to actually kind of tune into your hunger signals and ask maybe, you know, am I actually hungry or am I trying to kind of 
feel something else that yeah I'm mm, bored or exactly I'm sad or yeah. for me I think oh that was a long hard day at work I deserve this exactly like reward yeah. you want to go yes. home and yeah but I'm not a dog I don't need to be rewarded <laughs> with food and but also even if you are hungry like I swear an apple doesn't cut it like, yeah. I know or a it salad. makes you hungrier no. an apple makes me hungrier you yeah. need something yeah. you know. substantial yeah but I think we're kind of talking like a, a whole row of Tim Tams after yeah dinner, or a kind whole of. tub of yeah Ben and Jerry's chocolate. exactly yeah Okay, interesting. Well, I know you've got some great um, commentary with her, so that's uh, really good to explore. Yes. Let's hear from Chloe with some of her best tips now. Let's start with the doable portion control tips. Um, so yeah. I guess, you know, even with a super, super, even with a super healthy meal, is it possible to overeat or overdo it? Yes, it certainly is. Um, just because something is healthy, it doesn't mean that you can't overdo it or have like a too bigger portion size than your body actually requires. Mm-hmm. Um, some really common examples of these foods that people find easy to overdo that, that I've noticed in my practice are things like peanut butter, salmon, because it comes with such big fillets and yogurt as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another point to consider is that if you're going to be overeating anything, then eating extra veggies is probably the best place to be starting. Okay, great. <laughs> And I guess more generally, how, how important is portion control? It's really important. I actually think it's probably the, the cornerstone of um, good nutrition out, other than making sure that you're making healthy food choices. Um, eating enough of the right foods at the right times throughout the day is, is the key to, the, to having a really healthy body. Um, and if you're consistently overeating, then even if it is healthy foods, it tends to leave you feeling a bit tired, a bit sluggish. And, of course, it can make it harder to manage your weight as well. Definitely. And I guess, you know, that portion control can be quite difficult for people. What are your kind of, you know, your top tips for, um, for doable portion control and how, the, how can they okay. help? Um, so filling up your plate with veggies first. Um, this means that you're more likely to hit that minimum of five serves of vegetables in the day. And the vegetables are really low in calories, rich in fiber um, and rich in other um, micronutrients and polyphenols and all that sort of thing. So that's really useful to helping help with maintaining your health. Um, my, one of my favorite tips is to drink a glass of water about half an hour before your meal or before mm. any time that you're eating. And this is because when you're dehydrated, you're actually more likely to eat extra. So by having that big glass of water, it means you're getting a little bit more water in, but also it means that you're less likely to have big, two bigger portion sizes. Okay. And yeah, um, a couple of other things um, is sometimes you have to do this all the time, but just occasionally measuring out some portions so that, so for example, if you're putting some muesli in a bowl or um, putting um, some leftovers from your dinner into a, into a lunch container, just measure out how much you're having so you can see what it looks like in your container because if the plate's really big or small or the bowl's a bigger bowl than you're used to, it's actually mm-hmm. really easy for your brain to get a bit confused and you think that you're having the same amount but you're actually having a bit more because of the that portion distortion. Okay, so, so maybe, um, maybe um, just, use like a half cup for muesli one time and then you kind of get an idea for what that looks like. Exactly. Okay, exactly. great. And I'm not suggesting to have to do it every single time because, you know, you've got better things to do with your time. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you mentioned um, vegetables. Is Are there kind of other other, you know, foods that can help um, make meals a bit more filling and satisfying? 
definitely. So um, including low GI carbohydrates, so things like chickpeas, lentils, barley, brown rice, quinoa, sweet potato, um, they're all really wonderful choices of um, carbohydrate foods which digest really slowly, so they give you energy for a long time. Um, they also, though, um, because they digest slowly and because of the fibre that they contain, they provide um, prebiotic fibres. So that mm. means that the way your body digests them, it then uses that as fuel for the healthy bacteria that are in your gut. So it helps your gut health improve, which we know helps lots of other areas of your health as well, um, including healthy fats such as avocados and olive oil and nuts and seeds because the fat actually helps us to stay more satisfied as well. Plus, it's really good for like your skin and your hair and um, all sorts of other parts in your body. And, of course, the good quality proteins too. So the the lean ones like, you know, the chicken and things like that? Yeah, so like lean chicken, um, I'm a really big fan of recommending um, sustainably caught fish, um, sustainably caught just from an environmental perspective, but um, fish is a really good source of lean protein and and omega-free fatty acids too. Um, And then whether with the meat, whether it's like a chicken or or like a beef or a lamb or something, choosing a leaner cut that's been um, grass-fed if possible because, Mm -hmm. again, that just helps to improve the composition of the fatty acids that it contains. Great. And what about some, you know, some veggie protein sources? Huge fan of the veggie protein sources. So things like the, the leggings I mentioned before, so like the chickpeas and the lentils and the cannellini beans and, you know, heaps of different ones. Um, they're not just a good source of carbohydrate. They double up and are a really good source of protein too. So um, I really actually like recommending those um, in lots of meals to help with reducing the overall amount of meat a person's eating because most people kind of overdo um, meat intake, I think, mm-hmm. um, from what the research is showing. Um, also, things like tofu, quinoa, tempeh, um, and a lot of the different nuts and seeds as well are, are other good sources of plant-based protein as well um, for people who um, maybe don't want to be eating as much meat or for, uh, for vegetarians and vegans as well. Okay, great. Um, anything else we missed uh, in relation to you know some portion control tips? I think that probably covers it, um, but maybe just the last one would be eating really slowly and mindfully. Um, eating fast means that you're more likely to miss your hunger and fullness cues, so taking your time with a meal, really savouring each bite, it doesn't just help you to enjoy the meal more, it also helps you to make sure that you don't overdo how much you're eating as well. Amazing. Awesome. On to the next one. Um, I think this is something many of us are probably guilty of overeating at night, maybe when we come home from work and we're hungry before dinner or even after dinner when we're still peckish. Um, You know, what what are the main kind of reasons that this this happens at night? Yeah, so I guess there's a few reasons. And uh, one of them would be maybe you actually are hungry. So maybe you didn't get an afternoon snack didn't um, lunch you know hours and hours ago so maybe you're just actually ready to eat when you've arrived home mm-hmm. in some instances it might be because you're feeling tired um, when you're tired your body actually releases more of the hormones that make you feel hungry so um, and it slows secretion of the ones that make you feel satisfied so um, getting being tired at the end of a long day can be a trigger for overeating mm-hmm. another common one that I've noticed is people look uh, really just looking forward to Um, or looking for a reward after having a tough day at work or a Mm. um, a long day at work. So feeling like they they deserve that bit of chocolate or 
deserve to have um, that extra um, extra um, serve of whatever has been cooked for dinner mm-hmm. or the extra glass of wine. Um, and then the other common one that I see is maybe not having actually eaten enough of the right foods um, either throughout the day or in that evening meal, so then craving something sweet. So a, a common one that I've noticed is people who are really active and they're trying to lose weight and then not eating enough carbohydrate in the evening meal and they're just craving something sweet because their body is needing some carbohydrate to help with recovery and then, you know, heading heading for the chocolate cupboard or the biscuit cupboard or something like that. Definitely. And I think you mentioned there um, with us, you know, wanting a reward. Do you think and there's an emotional component, like if you're stressed or you kind of want to just, you know, yeah. feel, that, feel that little void? <laughs> Certainly, and and I think whether it's, you know, looking for that reward or maybe, you know, it's been a really difficult day, maybe your meeting didn't go how you wanted it to or maybe had a fight with your partner or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time people do turn to food as a as a reward or as a comfort and, and emotions certainly come in um, when we're looking at that side of things. Definitely. And I guess, you know, what are some strategies or ways that we can implement to help um, prevent this overeating at night? Yeah, so um, make sure that you have healthy choices available. Um, it's easier to say no to that block of chocolate once when you're in the supermarket than it is to say to it, no to it 100 times when so you're true. home. So um, <laughs> be mindful of, of what you have in the house and, and have healthy things around. Um, making sure you're well hydrated, so plenty of water. Um, drinking enough water, as I mentioned earlier, means that you're less likely to overeat um, in other situations because... Um, when you're dehydrated, you're more likely to eat a little bit extra. Mm-hmm. And then also tapping into why it is you're actually looking for food. So, um, for example, if you realise it's 10 o'clock and, you know, you're wanting to watch that next episode of Billions or whatever other show you're watching <laughs> on Netflix at the moment and maybe it's just that you're tired and you should just go to bed rather than staying up and watching that extra episode or mm-hmm. um, trying to finish off that last email or whatever it might be that you're doing, um, going to bed that little bit earlier can make a really big difference. Or maybe you've noticed that it's because you're feeling tired and wanting a reward or, you know, you've had a bad day and, mm. you know, have a chat to someone, um, give your mum a call or give your friend a call, um, maybe even incorporate doing some yoga or some mindfulness activities to help with reducing stress mm-hmm. um, and, and some other strategies to use as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, is there anything we've missed or anything you think is worth mentioning for that one? Um, I think there's a couple of other things as well. So just to help with your eating throughout the day so you can avoid the late night eating. Definitely. Um, I mentioned the, the drinking plenty of water, but also including plenty of high fiber, low, low GI carbohydrates and good quality proteins, um, whether they're animal-based or, or plant-based, um, can help you to feel more satisfied throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Eating your veggies going to bed early, getting a better sleep. Um, sleep has such a huge impact on all, all areas of health and the more research delves into it. So getting that, you know, seven to nine hours um, mm-hmm. is really advised. And then um, if you're someone who tends to start eating when you get home from work, maybe have a snack just before you leave work. So That's like an idea. apple or some nuts or some veggie sticks, just so that when you get home you're not ravenous and it's enough to tide you over until dinner. Um yeah, that'd be my main tip. Yeah, like and maybe provide. not, maybe not skip breakfast. I think that's something we all tend to do sometimes, oh, and then yeah. make up for it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting because 
Um, one of the common things I find people say is, oh, I'm not really hungry at breakfast. And then, you know, they start getting hungry later in the afternoon and then work's busy and then the main meal ends up just being this giant meal in the evening mm-hmm. and then wake up not hungry again. And it's because there's been so much food consumed in the evening. Mm-hmm. And so by having breakfast, then you're more satisfied throughout the day. You know, have your, have your healthy lunch as well. And then have a, an appropriate portion in the evening. And, you know, most people do start to find that they are hungry when they wake up. Kind of regulate. So it does self. make a difference. Indeed, yeah. Perfect. All right, thank you so much, Chloe, for your time. Thanks very much for that, Julia. This was actually on the blog, so none of us wrote it, but we thought it was so fantastic. Her name's Emma Davey, and she asked the question, could you live with 100 items in your life? including undies. This sparked quite a heated discussion in the office <laughs> the other day. Um, do so batteries count? Yeah, do batteries <laughs> count if they come with the remote and does the remote count if it came with the TV? So it's all about, you know, minimalism, getting rid of all the crap we don't need mm-hmm. and because we're just a world of consumers and I think we've all got more belongings than ever before. Do you guys think you could live with 100 items or less? If I lived in a van, maybe. <laughs> no, your life, it's your life now. Can you do it? No. I can't either. No. I God, we would have to cull a lot. So much. Especially yeah. also with a baby. Like does, Yeah. Does wait, does Alice count to have her own hundred? No, items? this is just you. Just me. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, still no. I don't think so <laughs> no. either. I mean, it was quite funny because of the headline, could you live with 100 items less, including undies? I now know how many pairs of undies everyone in the office has because we're like, but hang on, that's 40 items, you know, right yeah. there. But I think it's a really good food for thought because it just makes you think of all the stuff you've got that exactly. just in case it's in your storage unit or, you know, it's up in those cupboards and you don't know why you keep it, but you mm. keep it. I loved also her expanding this talking about food yeah. and how um like this you just got so the much food waste it's ridiculous crap in your fridge and mm-hmm. jars yes. and yep. jars you know and totally you know, if you actually just bought exactly what you wanted mm-hmm. for dinner yeah and that was yeah. it and not get to like you know be like yeah. oh i better i better buy some quinoa to put in the back of the fridge in yes. case mm-hmm. i like, want to or it was on special yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm the worst at buying things on special yeah. and then you've got 45 jars of something you're never going to eat yeah um, exactly. And that comes down to budget as well. So I think it's good for your finances and good for the environment. So that was a really fun combo to spark. Mm. And then Emily, your first story back. I wonder what this was inspired by. Mm. <laughs> Let's all have a think. <laughs> How to get your baby to sleep through the night, according to experts. This went up on our Facebook page last night and it was quite controversial. So controversial, mm. um, which is a part of the reason I wanted to explore it because you've got sort of two camps you've got um people like this i spoke to two very renowned baby whisperers joe ryan (laughs) and elizabeth sloan that charge like a thousand dollars a night fyi yeah yeah yeah. um tired mums will pay yeah i know so yeah i mean the gift of sleep it's priceless right you know but um i can't afford it uh (laughs) but you basically got two camps so one sort of camp is saying to get a baby to sleep through the night, it's unnatural biologically. Like the baby's going to want, want its mum. It's mm-hmm. going to want to co-sleep. It's going to want to feed, like all this kind of stuff. And then you've got the other camp saying, no, you can totally do it. Mm-hmm. Like um, There are certain sleep behaviours which you can break and they're things like the dummy mm. or the feeding to sleep or the rocking to sleep or whatever. Yeah. And everyone's happier after a full 12 hours. Sure. So it's just so they had a lovely talk to me and they were both very much like, look, if you're really happy getting up at three times a night and you yeah. feel like that's the best for your baby, then great. Keep yeah. on doing it. But there mm-hmm. are other people out there who are struggling. Who yeah. Yeah. And these are the sort of ways you can look to 
try and make yeah. that sleep stretch a bit longer. What I learned from it, because obviously I have no experience in this, it's I thought sleep training was quite harsh and then you just let your baby cry for two hours. Mm, no. I didn't realise that it was – it's actually much more gentle than I realised and mm-hmm. it's still listening to your baby but letting it learn how to self-settle, not ball its eyes out for an hour, but if it's a little bit grisly, don't grab it right away. Mm-hmm. Just – Check it out for five, ten minutes and see if it's just like, oh, I'm okay now. Yeah, and you can even be in the same room, like, you know, just like and give it a little pat or whatever, but it's not. Yeah. And I'm guilty of this. If Alice goes like, eee, I'm yeah. like, Rush straight in. to her. Yeah, like, <laughs> What's know, wrong? Emily shaped hole through the wall where I burst in and grabbed her out of the cot. But I mean, you just... I and I was like I really need to like settle down on my helicopter parent. That comes with yes. time too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to be more comfortable with with how how you like learning how she sleeps and yeah. what you can do to help. Yeah. And so what um, both Joe and Elizabeth were saying were like they're like give the baby a chance, like let it like you're not even letting it try mm, yeah. to put itself to sleep. Yeah, you're picking it up straight away. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, that's actually a really good point. I haven't even let her have a go at it mm-hmm. herself. And yeah, I'm like, sure. oh my god, she doesn't sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think you know everyone needs to realize that parenting is very individual. No judgment. Yes. And whatever works for that family is a okay. Yeah, a hundred percent. So thanks for joining joining us, guys. Please check out our other podcasts on the HuffPost Australia Network, and we'll see you next week.